0: This is Channel 253. In this episode of Nerd Farmer.
1: One of the things, too, that people have talked about as far as who donated to his campaign that also stood out to me was Integrity Construction Group and Josh mm-hmm. Harris, who runs that group. So if that name is familiar to you, it's because he was the one who bailed out the officers who were charged with the uh, murder and manslaughter in Manuel Ellis case.
0: Did you know Channel 253 is member-supported? I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I hope you will show your support by going to channel253.com slash membership and join. Thank you. This is the Nerd Farmer podcast, a national conversation through a local lens. Welcome to the Nerd Farmer podcast, brought to you by our friends at Pacific Lutheran University. My name is Nate, and I'm your host, an American teacher with a third episode this week. We are busy. Uh, If you have been paying attention, you can look in the archives. We had a great conversation with Jeff Hahn, who's a uh, grad student at the London School of Economics, talking about democratic erosion in Russia. And then we had a conversation with Evelyn Lopez, which is an audio voter's guide about the upcoming election. Speaking of the election, y'all... Voter turnout and ballot return numbers that we're seeing right now are abysmal. And the genesis of this show and this network is the idea that local politics matters. So if you are listening to this, make sure you get your ballot in before Tuesday. And if you're listening to this and you voted, think about who you're going to contact in your friend group, who you know does not vote all the time, and make sure they vote. And if you want to share our voters guide with them, then do so. Here's the thing, fam. Bad things happen when good people don't vote. And I'll leave it at that. All right. So our conversation today is with Allison Needles, and she is a reporter for the Tacoma News Tribune and also an alum of Pacific Lutheran University. Go Lutes! <laughs> uh, Allison, welcome to the show. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. Uh, I want to get into all your reporting that you've done on the mayoral race. But before I do so, uh, one thing I always like to do when I talk to reporters is to hear like, how they got on their beat. So what's your reporter story?
1: Yes, my reporter story um, starts back to, well, I've always kind of had an interest in it. I wrote a few stories in high school for um, like the city paper that, um, you know, we were um, worked with a lot, this, the high school did. Um, but then I went to school, I went to, I'm a PLU alum, and there I got my degree in English, um, specifically in writing. Um, But my last year at PLU, um, I took a uh, journalism class and the professor there um, basically was like, hey, you've got a knack for this. You're not bad. So (laughs) he's like, how would you feel about doing some freelance work? Um, And I was like, sure, why not? And so I started writing with um, writing some stories for the Puyallup Herald, which is still a sister paper um, of ours and some with the gateway, Peninsula Gateway to um, and it just so happened there was a position that opened up um, right about when I graduated at the Herald. And so that's where I started reporting, learned a lot about Puyallup. It was very different from Tacoma in a lot of ways. Um, and then um, as that went on, um, I got the opportunity to start covering Tacoma, um, which interested me. I'm a very different city in a lot of ways. And so um, that's where I am now. And I've been really enjoying it
0: another reporter who I'm old enough that they could have been in my classroom. Great. Great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes. 2016.
0: Right. I know you've been knocking it out of the park recently. And I feel like you're getting your chops now doing some investigative reporting. And that's why we're going to have this conversation with you today. Um, you have done some reporting in particular on the mayoral race, and I want to talk about your two stories. So the first one was kind of looking at both candidates, uh, looking at Steve Haverly, who is the challenger, and looking at Victoria Woodards, who was who's the incumbent and the current mayor. I'm, I'm curious, what were you hoping to find when you started investigating the story?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess a little bit of background on the race. Um, I'll do, and, and I'm sure you guys have all heard of it, but... Um, you know, uh, the, the two candidates running, um, the last time that Tacoma elected a mayor was in 2017 and, um, that was Victoria Woodard. So she's running again for her second term and, um, you know, she has always been in the public eye for a long time. You know, she's, she's a product of Tacoma before she was mayor, she was on city council as a city council member. Um, and so a lot of people know her and they kind of like you know, I, it, this was before kind of, this was my beat, but a lot of that stuff came up in her background and all of that. Um, and for a while, it seemed like, um, she had always had an intention of running for uh, a second term, but it seemed like for a while there, we wouldn't have an opponent. And then when there was the, um, you know, people started filing, um, back in, in May, I believe it was, um, I saw that. Steve Haverly, um, had filed and, you know, immediately as a reporter, you know, I'm, I'm curious and I didn't know, I didn't recognize his name. I didn't know who he was. I couldn't find, um, like a campaign website or anything like that. So, um, I'm honest, I'm, you know, curious, um, right away. Um, and, but I reached out, and was like, Hey, do you want to talk about this while you're running? And he was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And so, um, I got to learn a little bit more about him and what he's, he, you know, why he wanted to run and all of that. But, you know, um, what also we typically do, and especially if it's a new candidate that we don't know about or we haven't run like background on before, um, we run their names through, um, you know, this Washington State Court system and um, kind a of website that we have that basically shows um, all of the, you know, cases that have come up in, you know, whether that's municipal courts, district courts, superior courts, um, just to see, you know, What they've been up to in the past or you know if there's anything that we should know about um so i also did that and that's where part of this story comes from but my intent with that story the one of looking at the two mayors is you know here's who they are um here's some things you might know about them and their backgrounds and that's where the court you know um cases came up and then here are some major issues in tacoma and the things that you need to know um, how both of these candidates feel about these issues. So that's kind of where that story's background came from and what I was hoping to show
0: to readers. Okay. And by the way, I, I want to make this disclaimer for the audience. Uh, she is a reporter and she will stick to the facts and she will maintain her neutrality and auditivity. I am a commentator. I am not a reporter, <laughs> and I will engage in all the shade I want. And so, my goal when I have a reporter on is to never like get them in trouble with their employers. And so, she will stick to facts, but I have some thoughts. So, you mentioned at the beginning that Haverly is kind of a, a newcomer in the political scene. Who is Steve Haverly? What'd you find out about him?
1: Yeah. So, Steve Haverly. He is a um, he is a he's also a product of Tacoma Lake Woodards. Um, so he. Spent his early years um, here, uh, mostly on the base, Fort Lewis, because his dad was a Green Beret um, for the um, Army Special Forces. So, and then after that, he, um, well, he's also a Stadium High School graduate. So, he um, he's also a product of Tacoma Public Schools. And he lives in Tacoma now. Um, he has worked in the construction management business for the past 27 years, is commuting to Seattle and back. Um, And, uh, and he also uh, ran a, um, he started a business. It was a uh, um, video production company that never really got off the ground, but that was another thing he was really interested in. Um, And uh, then I don't know if you want me to go into uh, what the article, and like,
0: more about... Yeah, so, okay. but I, I think it's worth laying out that, like, so yeah. Haverly is a North End resident, stadium graduate, small business owner, very, yeah. like, pretty standard issue boilerplate, like, entry-level political stuff. All right. Right. So one of the things that I know that reporters do and is, is they do, like, research on people. And so, like, you ran his name through some sort of, like, court database. Uh, what did you find?
1: Yes, so... Um, that database basically looks at all court records and municipal district, superior court and all that. Um, but what I found um, was a couple of things that some folks had already reached out and mentioned to me. And so I kind of, I wasn't completely surprised because I was kind of um, aware that, that there might be things out there. Um, but one of them was, um, back in, back in 2000 and, um, Nine, there was, in the Pierce County Superior Court, um, there was um, a petition for an order of protection filed by an ex-girlfriend of Haverly's, um, and in that petition, um, she said that um, Haverly was, or she had come over to his house to pick up some photos of her daughter, um, and while she was there, he wasn't giving them back. And so she reached for them and he slapped her across the cheek, basically. And she said that she um, went and filed um, a report with the Tacoma Police Department. And, you know, my editor wanted me to find that, track that, and see if that was an actual report that was filed. And we were able to track and track that report down that she'd made the t- to the Tacoma Police Department. Um, but with that um, petition order, it was granted, I think, for about two weeks until there was a hearing, but he didn't, um, or she didn't appear for that. So it was very short, um, order for, um, a protection order against him. Um, and then, so, you know, with these things, I also ask, you know, I talked to the candidate about them and see, you know, what is your response to this? And people have, you know, sent this in a news tip about me and want to know what your response is. And, you know, he, he just told me basically that that was the first time that he had, um, heard of the details of that report and, you know, no officers had showed up to his house about that or anything. Um, and he, from what, you know, he, he knew the person and that they had dated, but he did not say that that, that slap or anything like that had occurred. Um, so that was his response to that. Um, and then the other thing that I saw that was filed Um, in Pierce County Superior Court was related to a loan agreement over a boat that he had owned, and there were payments being made on that boat. Uh, This was back in 2010. Um, And so basically the court had it repossessed, and it was actually former chief Paul Pastor who was supposed to go out and find that boat (laughs) to repossess it. And he said, at least in the court documents, that he had never found the boat, he couldn't locate it, or or Haverly um, to find it. So, um, it, it said it was left unsatisfied. And so I asked he really about that. And he said, he, you know, yeah, he was having some financial troubles back then, um, from his understanding that had been taken care of and the boat had been returned, um, from where he had, he had bought it. So, um, that was his response to that. And, um, the last, the, the last thing that I found, um, was about, uh, um, oh, a DUI um, back in 2014. And this was investigated by the Washington State Patrol. They had gotten a call about a driver who was driving erratically on southbound I-5. And um, uh, the description of the car matched um, a release. and so that's why he was pulled over. And uh, the officer did some field sobriety tests with him that he failed, and... Um, Then did a breath,
0: lives, test, and he was over. So I I want to tread lightly here. Uh, Issues of domestic violence are very complicated. I don't know the context. No woman deserves to be hit. Like, but I wasn't there. I don't know. And so, like, I don't, I'm not going to go in on that. Like, that's not a place. It's not appropriate. I'm not going to do that here. A DUI situation is also messy. Like, I'm not going to go there. Like, there's not, that's, that is, well, I'll say this. My, my, my views on drunk driving have shifted greatly since my mother was injured this summer in an accident with an intoxicated driver. Uh, but, like, I'm, I'm not going to – that's not my place. This boat thing, I have questions about. And so something that has happened is, is that your reporting has spawned some citizen journalism as well about, like, what happened with the boat. And so I, I, I want to just go here because you're, you're the reporter – Objectivity, let me kind of talk through what I've seen happen and you can respond to it. Haverly was having a boat repossessed, yes? Haverly says the boat was sold or was returned, which which is the story again?
1: He told me it was returned back
0: to where it was returned. But the person who the boat was supposed to be returned to has no boat from Haverly returned. Still, it's still correct?
1: I don't know, actually. I don't know where he got it from.
0: Okay. Okay. But Haverly has a boat now that people have photographed and like have done some citizen journalism with like Google Street View. And so like, I guess the unresolved question that I'm going to ask to you, and you probably don't have an answer, but that's fine, is, is, is the boat that is being photographed and shared in images on Haverly's property, the boat in question?
1: That is a good question. I have been seeing this over social media, and all I can say, and I think those were aerial shots. I don't know if that thing is still around or if anyone's mm-hmm. been able to actually locate it like in person. Um, but I don't know. i can't I can't say for sure. I don't know, and I haven't followed up with him to ask about it. So that would be something as a reporter that I can do, um especially since a lot of, as you'd mentioned, people are <laughs> talking about it and wondering about it um but all i can say for sure right now is what he told me and and that is that that specific boat that was part of that those records um had been returned as far as he knew
0: okay okay well and and i i guess i, I want to tell the audience why this matters to me if there's anything I've learned from the last four years of American politics or four plus years, it's that people who, that, who do not follow the rules that we are asked to follow as a society in the lead up to them getting power don't become better people when they get power. And so this is an area of concern that I have. Uh, with Haverly and with Brett Johnson, uh, there's a pattern of, well, the rules don't apply to me. I don't have to follow the rules. Oh, I, this is my first time, naivete. And like, that just doesn't fly with me if you can't follow the rules that are laid forth around <laughs> election disclosures, around PDC reporting, and around whether or not you have possession of a boat you shouldn't have anymore because you didn't pay. Like, that's a giant red flag to me given the last four years of American politics. Please don't say anything, Allison. I don't want you to get fired. Okay. Uh, What did you find in your investigation and reporting about Haverly's opponent, Victoria Woodards?
1: Yes. So um, with Woodards, again, I said she's been in the public eye for a long time. As far as the the records that I found, um, the most recent one was um, in 2019 um, when she um, had caused a collision in Lakewood, this was in Lakewood Municipal Court. So it took me a while to get those records because it was from a different court system. Um, but she had failure to yield to the traffic right away. And she had to pay a traffic infraction of like $187. And she, um, uh, the insurance paid for any other damages what she had told me when I called and asked her to respond to this. Um, and she had admitted, yeah, you know, I remember that. Um, and i am a human being that's what she told me um and um in response to that and then as far as other lawsuits um she was named as a council member actually in some of the lawsuits um, that came against the city um and, and it was funny i didn't know this cuz it was back in 20, 2010, but the news tribune actually <laughs> sued the city a while back <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was related to like um um open public meetings act and Apparently, city council had been discussing candidates for a replacement position um, in like um, executive session. And so we had sued over that. So, like those sorts of things where she is listed as a council member who had participated in something. Um, another one was um, a lawsuit back um, in 2014 um, when Alan Moore Medical Investors, it's a company and a developer, um, sued the city and specific city council members for implementing a um, moratorium on big box real retailers in a time where you know, there was questions about a Walmart moving in and so they had sued over that. Um, and the, the judge had eventually determined that the city had interfered um, with permitting processes for them in order the city to pay $2 million. Um, so those, those sorts of things were, um, is where she was listed in as someone who has actually already been elected um, as part of lawsuits against the city
0: that's just, I, I just have to just, the dichotomy there. On on one hand, we have the infractions that Haverly has been engaged in that I'm not going to, you know, we, we heard those already. On the other hand, we have Victoria Woodards, and I've been critical of Victoria Woodards, but that's a pretty damn sterling record of she got sued for trying to block Walmart and God bless her for trying. Uh, and that was like part of the city government. She got sued for talking about who they wanted to join the city council at a time they were not supposed to. And she got in a car accident. That's interesting. Um, besides the court records, what else, have, what else have you been able to find out or like, how have you reported on like who Victoria Woodards is? Like obviously you've spoken to her, how she come across to you?
1: Yeah. So um, she is, you know, working on, well, I mean, there are a lot of major issues facing the city right now um, that she has been, um, you know, as the mayor of Tacoma in the thick of, for like, since she was elected. Um, And so she, um, you know, is, you know, grappling a lot with, um, you know, homelessness, housing, a lot of the policies that the city is putting forward right now and like the height of a lot of these major issues, you know, climate change and what's going on at the port. Um she has been, you know, scrutinized on those things and for the decision she is or is not making, um, you know, as her time as mayor, like as mayor. And so um I mean I I feel like another thing that we can look at with with Wooders and with this election in general. Um, it would be a good segue um, into like um, campaign financing and where's the money coming from to support these candidates. Um, and so like, what I looked at for Woodard it's a lot is who's contributing to her campaign um, and who has been, you know, uh, cause she has been running. Um, uh, sh- her intent to run has gone back into since like 2018 when she first got her um, one of her, uh, um, contributions um, all the way back since then for her second run and so one of the things i noticed with her is that she's getting a lot of um, contributions from big names whether that's you know elected officials people already in positions of power um if it's like big companies or unions um she's getting donations from a lot of people um and so i think you know if she is elected again then You know, people say to me, like, what is what are people who are donating to campaigns getting out of that donation for if she were to be elected as mayor? And those are good questions um, that I can't necessarily always answer. But I can say, like, if she is elected to a second term, those are something that we should keep in mind who contributed to her campaigns and looking at the decisions she would be making as mayor again when it comes to, you know, the Tide Flats and regulations, you know, what companies are allowed to expand or not expand at the port. Um, you know, what what decisions she's making in housing and development. Um, uh, uh, home in Tacoma is a perfect example. Um, she has said as mayor, you know, she doesn't think home in Tacoma is perfect as it is right now, but that she would like to see some changes to that, but she supports the intent of it and, you know, you know, expanding and changing, um, you know, uh, zoning in Tacoma to allow for more housing. So it's just keeping things like that in mind, um, um, as far as who's contributing to her campaign and, you know,
0: how. All right. So let's take a break here. And when we come back, I'm going to ask you for a little bit more about that donor list. And then we'll talk about who's contributing to the Haverly campaign. We'll be back. (laughs) This is Nate Bowling, host of the Channel 253 Show Nerd Farmer, and this episode is sponsored by Pacific Lutheran University. If we've learned anything from the last two years, it's that the future is unpredictable, which is why education, and higher education in particular, should equip students with the ability to be flexible and innovate. Students should leave college with the determination needed to understand a problem and explore solutions. And they need a spark of creativity so they can find new ways to turn their smart ideas into reality. But these traits and skills can only be set into motion by one thing, transformative care. Pacific Lutheran University is a small private college where caring means more than kindness and consideration. It means bold commitment to expanding well-being, opportunities, and justice. And just let me add an amen to that. Caring helps us all to question paradigms and draw new connections in pursuit of truth constantly challenging ourselves and the world we love to be better for our neighbors, those down the street, and thousands of miles away. PLU is more than a campus full of individuals pursuing their dreams. It's a community of seekers, trailblazers, creators, and reformers, who know we can accomplish more together than apart. To apply, schedule a campus visit, or learn more about PLU's undergrad and graduate programs, please visit PLU.edu. And we are back. I want to say that I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to listen to this conversation. Local politics, local elections matter to me deeply. I may not be in Tacoma, but Tacoma matters to me a lot right now. Uh, If you are enjoying the conversation you're hearing, there's a couple of ways you can help us out at Channel 253. Way number one is, is join Channel 253 as a member. Membership costs $4 a month or $40 a year. I pay for it myself. I'm a member because I believe in the project. Uh, If you become a member, you get access to our member-only Slack, where there's conversations about all sorts of stuff right now. Uh, There's a conversation in the soccer channel about the rain uh, heading into the playoffs, and a conversation in that same channel about the Sounders kind of floundering right now. And uh, the other thing that you get is access to our member-only podcast, Off the Record, which is where Doug talks to show hosts about conversations that didn't quite fit in the show, but that are interesting conversations. The other way you can help the show is is if you don't have $4 a month or if you're already a member, um, write a review. Uh, it's cliche. Every podcast host says it. But like if you write reviews, it drives the algorithm to help people find the show. And that's what we want. I want as many people as possible in the city of Tacoma and elsewhere to listen to these conversations. And so that's two ways you can help the show. Channel253.com slash membership, $4 a month or $4 a year. Or if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or whatever you use to listen and allows you to write a review, write a review. All right, Allison, let's get back to it. Uh, You were talking before about how Victoria Woodard's The Incumbent is getting a lot of money from... Big names in local politics and from unions and like business sectors. Do you have any examples? I
1: do, yes. So um, I had mentioned, you know, specifically developers. So uh, some of the people that have contributed to her campaign Point Rustin developer, Lauren Cohen, he's a big name at Tacoma, $2,000. Horizon Partners Northwest CEO, Michael Bartlett, $2,000. A developer, 253 Homes LLC, $1,000. A developer, she also gotten a thousand dollars from the Washington Association of Realtors PAC. Um, so a lot of like things to do with housing there, um, as far as unions, um, you know, she's gotten some money from, um, engineering, engineering unions, long-term care, uh, workers, healthcare workers, um, there. And then, um, she's also gotten, um, So um, this one's kind of interesting, and I didn't mention it, but she's gotten funding from other mayors across the country, and there are mayors that she has um, been working with through Mayors for a Guaranteed Income, which is a program that she brought here to Tacoma. Um, So there are two mayors that are also a part of that, and she's a founding member of that, um, that have donated to her campaign. Um, And then there are a couple of um, industrial... um, um, companies who have donated. So West Rock, a pulp and paper mill here in Tacoma, ship, um, Tote Maritime um, and a shipping company and then Schnitzer Steel Industries as well, all with uh, $1,000 contributed to her campaign. So those are some of the big names.
0: A lot of interesting things there. Uh, I think for a lot of progressive folks, the idea of of developers donating money to the mayor may like, set off alarms, but if one of the things that I've talked about and believe is that our housing crisis in Tacoma is driven by a lack of supply. And so that is not necessarily the worst thing in the world to me. There's only worse places to get the money you need for a race. Uh, I also heard you mention totes, which to me triggers thoughts about the ethanol project and things down at the ports. That's interesting to hear as well. I'm sure folks uh, might have their own thoughts about that. I'll, I'll leave it at that. The mayor has raised far more money than Haverly, correct?
1: Yes. Yes, a lot more.
0: Isn't the total? Sp- What's the total spin on this race so far?
1: Total spin, total raise. Uh, I guess. Yeah. So total raised. Well, she has raised one hundred eighty-seven thousand. He's raised about nine thousand. So nearly two hundred thousand. But that's mm-hmm. a very big difference. And you know, I was thinking like that's very unusual, and far as in terms of Haverly's case, um, nine thousand dollars raised for a mayoral, mayoral campaign, especially a city of this size. Um, is very unusual. And I was wondering, you know, how, like, I I was looking back as far as, you know, PDC would let me anyway for mayor, mayor candidate races. And I don't think I saw anything under like 60,000. So this is very small for this sort of race in in terms of campaign funding.
0: Well, honestly, to his credit, then I guess like he's running a grassroots campaign with $9,000 in donations. Hmm. One thing I wonder is, is that there has been some conversation online about his PDC reporting and disclosing and disclosing. And so do you have any information about so he's reported nine thousand dollars to the PDC. Do you have any information about any additional money that he has raised? Has that been reported?
1: Um, Additional money? I don't I'm not sure. So, well, I can say that you're right. He has raised a lot. He, he has told me that his intent for this race is to not be beholden by any big names. So he is not actively seeking out those big donors for his campaign. He's running, you know, he, he wants to be beholden to the voters he said. So um, as far as his, the actual like filings of reports. Yes. Like I have asked him about that because there appears to be, you know, Some things were filed late or they were missing. Um, I mentioned in my story, and you had her on like earlier this week, Evelyn Lopez. She ran for mayor um, and she was the former executive director of the PDC. So she had pointed out, you know, there are some things missing um, in his filings. And so I asked him about that. um, And he said he has been in constant contact with the PDC to make sure that he has, because he's doing all of this on his own, he doesn't have a like a campaign. Um, person running um, that will do all this for him. So he, it is his first time doing that. So he's said he's in connection with PDC to make sure he's filing the right things. Um, But um, I mean, that's, that's what I know about that so far. Um, The the people who have been contributing to his campaign, um, individuals, mostly, and then himself, he's done his own like $2,000 of his own um, out of, like, the 9,000 towards his own campaign. Um, one of the things, too, that people have talked about as far as who donated to his campaign that also stood out to me was um, Integr- Integrity Construction Group and Josh mm-hmm. Harris, who runs that group. So um, if that name is familiar to you, it's because he was the one who bailed out the um, officers who were charged with the uh, murder and manslaughter in Emanuel Ellis' case. And so there was a lot of people asking, you know, wondering why, um, you know, he would accept that funding and he really, you know, he was willing to talk about it. And he said, he told me, you know, I did not right away respond to his interest in contributing to my campaign. Cause I knew we did not see eye to eye on this situation. Um, but eventually he said, he sat down with Harris, um, and said, you know, I know we're not going to see eye to eye to this. What else you got? And they talked about, um, you know, uh, his concern about rising violent crime in Tacoma and how to address that issue, um, and also of support with the police department in addressing that issue. And he really, you know, felt that that was, you know, um, you know, he he, you know, agreed with that. and They were on the same level with that. So he did accept in kind donations for signage. Um, so that's mostly, you know, the big kind of like questions around his campaign funding.
0: I, I, I just, this is one of those moments where I just got to just repeat what I just heard to the audience. So Steve Haverly is running a grassroots campaign. Where he's raised about $9,000, including $2,000 in self-funding contributions. However, one of his biggest donors is the construction firm and the person who built out the police that murdered Manuel Ellis when they were charged by the state of Washington. Did I hear you say that correctly?
1: Yes. So that company did, yeah, contributed in-kind donations to his campaign.
0: So I, I want to just be clear to the audience and where my head is here on this. I, I give Steve Heverly credit for running a grassroots campaign and I give him credit for not wanting to be beholden to people. However, the one group who he's chosen to be beholden to is the construction firm that bailed out the police who were rightfully charged with murdering Manuel Ellis. Can we leave that there? So is there anything else that's in because I'm always curious when I talk to reporters about like what got left on the cutting room floor when by the time the editors got through with it? Is there anything that was left out of your stories that you want to talk about?
1: I don't I don't think so. I mean, there's always so much that you can talk about. And as a reporter, it's like, well, what do you put in the story and what do you not put in the story? Mm-hmm. Um, and I got a lot, like, I, I thought a lot about that in reporting, you know, um, some of these very, you know, what seem like personal things, like, you know, the the especially in Haverly's case, the DUI, you know, the, um, the uh, protection order. And there's always a question of, what do we, do we report on these things? And if so, why? And for me, it's like thinking about well, if they're already out in the public and people are talking about them, you know, I feel as reported to get that, you know, what what are the actual facts of these records? What do the records say? And then give a chance for the candidate to respond to those things. Um, and so, like, that was a lot of, like, obviously it wasn't left out of the story because it's in the story, but it's, you know, those sorts of things that go back and forth about what do we write about, what do we not write about. So I can't think of anything really, like, you know, that. My editor wouldn't let me put in or like, you know, um, we didn't write about. I feel like it's all, you know, pretty much there. Um, and I wrote those stories in a way where I was trying to, you know, be able to touch on all of those things, you know, candidate backgrounds, where they are on these um, certain um, really big major issues in Tacoma, um, the, the top three donors are the major donors in each race Um, so I feel like it touched on all of those spaces, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I left out.
0: (laughs) So we're having this conversation on Friday morning. Election day is on Tuesday. We vote by mail in Washington state. Your boy voted earlier on in the week, sent mine in electronically. Thank you, Julie Anderson for making easy, easy to vote overseas. Um, what are you going to be chasing between now and election day?
1: Oh man. Um, I don't know. I, uh, I, I think I'm just going to be gearing up for election night. Um, and, and, you know, I, I told myself I need to make a list of numbers because I'm going to be calling people that night to see, you know, the, what are their reactions to the outcomes and all that. But between now and then, um, you know, I think I think it's I feel like I got out there when I needed to. <laughs> so um, I guess we'll just see how it goes. Follow up on the boat. Oh, oh, right. Yes, the boat.
0: Okay, yeah. I'm going <laughs> right. ask you about that. <laughs> uh, I, I really appreciate the reporting you've done recently. Uh, thank you so much for making time for this conversation today. If people want to find you and follow you on the socials, where should they look?
1: Yes, I am on Twitter. It's just my name, Allison Needles at Allison Needles, um, and then you can always find what I'm working on at thenewstribune.com. Okay.
0: And then I, I, I always say this: we have reporters on. Uh, The reporters who we have on the show work for media outlets. And if you appreciate the reporting that Allison is doing, think about ways you can support the News Tribune through the subscription or like buying a printed copy when you see them. Just think about ways you can help keep journalism alive in Tacoma. All right. Allison, thank you again. Thank you. Well, kind of for y'all, wash your hands, wear a mask in indoor spaces, be vaccinated, get a booster. Like, don't be a bum. Take the third jab if you need it. Convict the police that killed Manuel Ellis, and go Sounders. Channel 253 is a member-supported podcast network. I'm producer Doug Mackey, and I'm asking you to become a member and show your support. Go to channel253.com slash membership to join. Thank you. Oh, I can hear you typing. Wow, it's fast. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Nerd Farmer is part of the Channel 253 podcast network. Check out our other shows, Interchangeable White Ladies, Give Me the Mic, We Art Tacoma, Move to Tacoma, Taco Man, Flounder's B Team, Crossing Division, Citizen Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.